In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. To welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and it's great to be with all of you. I'm your host, Father Ed Broom, OMV, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. Great to be with all of you. We'd like to start off, as always, our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. And we also cry out to Mary <coughs> as our life, our sweetness and her hope in the prayer of the Hail Holy Queen. So let's turn to Mary and beg Mary to pray with us and to pray for us. Beg Mary for the grace to love God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. To be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's pray the prayer that Mary loves most, that is the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'd like to pray to our spiritual director. What a grace and privilege it is to have as our spiritual director the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. The Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of Our Souls. Holy Spirit is also known as the Consoler as well as the Counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our Sanctifier. He who makes us holy. Holy Spirit is also known as the interior master. When we say interior master, we refer to the fact that he teaches us how to pray. Romans chapter 8, St. Paul says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans, so we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. 
So let's uh, beg the Holy Spirit to pour light into our minds and to set our hearts on fire with the love of God. As we say, Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. But Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. John Fisher, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. How true it is, my friends, the family that prays together stays together, and a world at prayer is a world at peace. We welcome you all to our, perse- our Perseverance family. It's great to be with all of you. Irene has a whole list of those who are preparing themselves to make their consecration to Mary using my book. We welcome the whole team that Irene Copioso has of those who will be making their consecration to Mary. So we welcome you and to encourage all of you, I'll be praying for all of you in my Mass. This is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. So pray for all of you on the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is by far the greatest of all prayers.
So I'd like to place all of you on the altar. My first prayer would be that all of us would be open. All of us would be open to the Holy Spirit. Open to the Holy Spirit. This could be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My second intention will be To pray for our families, first of all, for the conversion of our families, that our families will be converted to the love of God. Our families would be converted to the love of God. My next, well, they like to pray for the dying. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and that he lose his soul in the process? The salvation of our soul is by far the greatest. So I'll pray for your intentions, for that of Martha and all of you. All of us are going through tough times. So I'd like to place all of you on the altar. Entrusting ourselves to the prayers of Mary by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So my friends, we're in the month, we're in the month of June which is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And I'm trying to give a brief catechesis on devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. So my brief catechesis today would be the following. Memorize this biblical verse and this prayer. It's one of my favorite biblical verses and one of my favorite prayers, so I'll share it with you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all of you, and are weary. 
find life burdensome. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. For you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a beautiful biblical verse, so consoling in honor of the most sacred heart of Jesus? Come to me, all of you are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and humble part. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then, during the course of the day, you can say this short but beautiful prayer. That prayer is, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto yours. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto yours. And, sweet heart of Mary, be my salvation. Those are beautiful prayers we can say during the course of the day. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto yours. Sweetheart of Mary, be my salvation. So let's enter into our topic today. My friends, over the past two weeks, We've been going through the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And St. Paul today says, I preached the good news of the gospel without charge. St. Paul preached the gospel without charge. You know, my friends, we are also called to preach the gospel. Once we are baptized, we are anointed as priest, prophet, and king. And prophet is someone who announces the good word. June 13th, we celebrated St. Anthony of Padua, one of the greatest preachers in the Catholic Church. St. Anthony said we have to not only preach the word of God, but we have to put it into practice. So let's pray that we would be authentic, that we would be coherent, that what we're preaching with our lips, that we would live with our lives. Vatican II, the dogmatic constitution, God in its best, says that when, one of the biggest scandals of the world is the dichotomy between the faith that we profess with our lips, but that we don't live with our lives. 
So that's the message of St. Paul that we're called to preach like him. By word and by our example. We have the responsorial psalm. And the, the antiphon is, Your works, O Lord, are justice and truth. Think about the working of God in your life. I've said more than once, if you want to get me angry, say, good luck, Father Broom, and I will, I will gently rebuke you. Because, my friends, I don't believe in luck. But rather, I believe in divine providence. Nothing happens by chance. We're going to be reading through, meditating upon what Jesus says. God knows how many hairs we have on our head. And he knows when one of those hairs falls to the ground. Nothing, nothing happens by chance. But we believe in what's called divine providence. God, guide, God guides and directs our lives. By his loving hand. Our God is a God of surprises. He doesn't always work in the way that we would think or expect Him to work. But He always works in the best way. So you might even rewind the film of your life and see how God has been working in your life. It's called Trusting in divine providence. The gospel for today, Jesus says, when you pray, do not babble like the pagans. They think the more words they say, the more they're likely to be heard. And then Jesus says, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then Jesus concludes by saying, If you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father Forgive your transgressions. So if we want God to forgive us, then we have to forgive those who have hurt us. So there we have the Lord's Prayer today. 
I would like, with the help of God's grace, to also speak about the saints that we celebrate today. We actually celebrate three saints today. Saint Paulinus of Nola. Then we celebrate two Englishmen. And their names are Saint John Fisher and Saint Thomas More. That's right. Saint John Fisher and Saint Thomas More. Two of the most noble men of England. If you ever had the chance, there's a great movie in honor of Thomas More. And the name of the movie is A Man for All Seasons. It's a classic. The life of St. Thomas More in his times. A man for all seasons. Both of these were Englishmen. They died within two weeks of each other. And they are among the most noble men that ever walked the land of the English. So I'd like to kind of set the scene, and uh, I think it's important that we understand these two men, their mission that God gave to them, and how they died. But not simply how they died, but the reason why they died. Both of them will die within two weeks of each other. They will die as martyrs. You know, when I was a child, I was confirmed in New York by Cardinal Terence Cook and I was uh, confirmed when I was 10 years old. I was keenly aware of the one of the parts of the rite of confirmation was that the bishop would tap you in the cheek. And remember that the nuns taught us the tapping of the cheek The tapping of the cheek referred to once we're confirmed then the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be operative in us and we should be willing to die as a martyr. 
We should be open and willing to die as a martyr if God calls us to that. In a martyr, it comes from the word Greek, from the Greek language, and it means witness, giving witness to our love for God by shedding our blood. And that's the way in which Thomas More and John Fisher ended their lives. Thomas More then would be canonized 400 years after he died in 1935. And John Paul II will proclaim St. Thomas More as the patron saint of politicians. Wow. More than ever do we need that, huh? The patron saint of politicians. So let's get to know these two great saints. Now in the 1500s, All of Europe is basically Catholic. France, Spain, Italy, Portugal. And England. English had a great heritage of Catholicism up to the 1500s. And England will have some of the greatest writers in the history of the world. Some of the great writers in England are called the Rhineland mystics who lived about a hundred years before Thomas More. St. Julian of Norwich. Walter Hilton who wrote, wrote The Ladder to Perfection. Meister Eckhart was a great Dominican mystic. The Imitation of Christ by Kempis. The anonymous unknown author of The Cloud of Unknowing. This is in the literary genre of what is called the Rhineland Mystics, many of which were English. So there's a very strong intellectual, spiritual, mystical heritage that comes from England. So these are two of the greatest men who are living in the 1500s, the 16th century, which is a time of great turmoil because it's a time of what is called the Protestant Reformation. So both of these will, both men will die within, within two weeks. Let's talk a little bit about John Fisher. 
John Fisher was educated in one of the best schools in England. And different than Thomas More, Thomas More who was considering becoming a priest, but Thomas More would get married, John Fisher did become a priest. The royal family recognized John Fisher as a holy and learned priest. So, he was appointed tutor for the young Prince Henry. So, young Prince Henry, who became Henry VIII, received about the best education you possibly can imagine. Then, year 1504, the beginning of the 16th century, John Fisher became the Bishop of Rochester, which is a rather poor diocese. So he made a bishop. But not only that, he was made Chancellor of Cambridge University. Now most of you have heard of Harvard and Yale and Princeton. Those are called the Ivy League College of the United States. In England, Cambridge and Oxford are the two most well-known universities in, in England, known for their intellectual caliber. Because John Fisher was a brilliant man, preacher, teacher, writer, a brilliant man. But given that he was bishop, he was faithful to his responsibility in that he would visit his parishes. And here's a common note, note among the saints. He paid a special attention to the poor. It's difficult to find some Saint that did not have a special love for the poor in one way or the one way or another. These people knew he was a man who would hold firm to the truth, and he was not afraid. He was not afraid to give fraternal correction when he saw something wrong. I think we have to learn from the saints that we cannot close our eyes on what is evil. The great scholar went on to say, so that evil progress is sufficient that good men do nothing. The fact that there was a prayerful protest of what was happening in Dodger Stadium was very good. And the results were very positive. 
So when we see evil, we can't be silent in the face of evil. And that was the person of John Fisher and Thomas More. So John Fisher wrote eight books. And what he did was he wrote against heresy. There'd be errors within the church. So Henry, Henry was proud to have a friend so intelligent, noble, eloquent, charismatic, and basically loved by his people. So my friends, we should, we should be willing to be corrected by others. But also, we have to correct others, especially parents. Some of your parents. It's incumbent upon you, if you see your son or daughter that, uh, that are making wrong choices, you have to intervene and, and correct them. Now repeat, so that evil progress, it's sufficient that good men do nothing. So King Henry VIII has a good rapport with both Thomas More and John Fisher. Until something happens. Something's going to happen in the life of the kingdom. They'll radically change England as well as the lives of these two men. So King Henry VIII makes the decision that he will no longer stay married to Catherine of Aragon. He got tired of Catherine of Aragon. And Henry VIII starts to focus on a younger, more attractive woman. And her name is Anne Boleyn. So there is a divorce and a remarriage. That's what Henry VIII wanted. What do we call this? We call, we call this, my friends, we call this divorce and adultery. So Henry VIII made an appeal to the Pope, the Holy Father, trusting and hoping that the Holy Father would grant him this permission from the Holy See to 
remarry and have another wife. The Holy Father, the Holy Father turned this down. And Bishop Fisher went along with the decision of the Holy Father. Now, Henry VIII wanted the bishop as well as the people to sign a document accepting the new living condition of the king. In other words, sign a document allowing for that of adultery, living in adultery. And if this document were not signed, then the king would punish anyone who would not sign this document. I'm going to tell you something very sad, but true. All of the bishops, all of the bishops, my friends, all the bishops in England, capitulated and they signed the document of approving of Henry VIII's new marriage to Anne Boleyn. Except one. And that was Bishop John Fisher. And about six months later, the Parliament wrote another document claiming that King Henry VIII was supreme head of the Catholic Church in England. So it gets worse and worse. So Henry VIII is going to separate himself from the papacy in Rome. He'll proclaim himself to be the actual head of the church in England. We call it today the Anglican Church. Once again, John Fisher refused to sign this document. So King Henry VIII got very, very angry at John Fisher and threw him in prison on the charge of high treason. Then Henry became furious when the Pope declared from prison that John Fisher was a cardinal. This made Henry VIII even more furious. So he was in prison there for 14 months without any trial. He was condemned to death and beheaded. That's a summary of the life of John Fisher. Of John Fisher. He dies shedding his blood. Interesting, he's given the cardinal's hat. Cardinals are dressed in red, pointing to the fact that a cardinal should be willing 
to shed his blood rather than to deny the truth in imitation of Jesus Christ, who is the model for all of us, especially for those called to the palm of martyrdom. Now let's move on to the person of Thomas More. So Thomas More was uh, a contemporary contemporary of John Fisher. So Thomas More was the son of a very successful lawyer in London. At first, Moore was planning to become a priest. But then he entered law school and decided to marry. And God gave him three daughters and a son. Thomas More was charming. He was intelligent. Thomas More was witty. Thomas More was eloquent. Thomas More was gifted. Thomas More was brilliant. But Thomas More had a very, very deep relationship to God. A very, very deep relationship with God. He was known to get up very early. He prayed the Psalms. He loved to meditate upon the passion of Christ. So what we're seeing, these men who are going to be called by God to give their lives, they have a deep relationship with God, a deep prayer life. So being a keen lawyer, Thomas, with all these gifts, soon established a good relationship with the king. And then, eventually, Thomas More will be made the Chancellor of England. Just that you're aware of it, being Chancellor of England would be the most prominent and important position in England just after the king. So like John Fisher, once Henry VIII has decided to leave Catherine of Aragon and take Anne Boleyn to be his wife, King Henry VIII turns to to Thomas More and asks Thomas More to approve of his marriage. Like John Fisher, he also refused to sign Henry's later document making himself head of the Catholic Church in England. So more would follow in the footsteps of John Fisher. Seeing the situation 
going from bad to worse, his relationship to Henry VIII, Thomas More decides to retire from his position as Chancellor. And he retires to his country home. In Thomas' letters, Thomas More is going to write a letter saying, I don't really know how we're going to support ourselves because he didn't have a lot of money. But he basically trusted God, even if he'd have to beg to sustain himself and his family. He'd prefer to do that rather than to betray his conscience. So even though Thomas More is going to seek seclusion in his country home, Henry VIII pursued him. And he tried to convince More to accept his new relationship with Anne Boleyn and his position as being the head of the Church of England. Like Fisher, More would not give in. So, like Fisher, Thomas More was apprehended and he was sent to prison. And he was kept for more than a year in a dungeon known as the Tower of London. There for more than a year. During this time of imprisonment, King Henry VIII did all he possibly could He did all he possibly could to try to convince Thomas More to capitulate. Thomas More stood firm. Even some of the relatives of Thomas More tried to get him to give in because they loved their father and their friend so much. They wanted him to give in, but Thomas More was very firm. In this, which meant a disgrace for his family, Thomas More, Thomas More is known as a champion of conscience. How admirable. I repeat that Thomas More was a champion of conscience. He would not capitulate and give in to what he believed to be objectively evil, adultery, and the head of the country, declaring himself to be the head of the church in England. He could not give in to this. So after suffering 
much in the Tower of London. He suffered hunger. He suffered cold. And he suffered loneliness because Thomas Aquinas was a very charming man who established very good social relationships. Moore was finally led out to his death. After about a year incarcerated, John Fisher was there even a little bit longer than Thomas More. Both of them would die within about two weeks of each other. So More was led to his death And when he was being led by the mass swordsman, Thomas saw this mass swordsman was very nervous. Thomas actually made a little joke. He said, Leave this alone, for it has done no treason. And he was pointing to his little beard, his little goatee. Leave this alone, for it has done no no treason. Then Thomas More, Sir Thomas More, said this to the swordsman. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. For you send me to God. Be not afraid because you send me to God. Then Thomas More said these words to the crowd. These immortal words of the great Sir Thomas More. Listen to the last words of Thomas More. I die the king's good servant, but God's first. And then, Sir Thomas More, like his companion, John Fisher, he was beheaded. He was beheaded, and his soul took his flight to heaven. To receive his heavenly reward. Sir Thomas More was canonized 
with Bishop John Fisher, 1935, which was 400 years after he died. And then Pope St. John Paul II, who truly admired Thomas More, declared that St. Thomas More to, the, to be the patron saint of politicians. How important it is now in our political arena to have someone so noble so strong. So dignified. As Thomas More, as a patron of politicians. So let's ask both St. Thomas More as well as St. John Fisher among the most noble men who ever lived in England, that we ourselves that we ourselves, my friends, will study the truth. Understand the truth. Love the truth. And be even willing to die and give our lives to defend the truth. These two men are champions of what is called the conscience. I invite you to share this message to many of your friends. Now I'd like to give you my priestly blessing in honor of St. John Fisher and St. Thomas More. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.